Covenant Podcast exists to equip listeners with theological content from a 1689 Baptist perspective. We pray you find this resource edifying, faithful to Scripture, and Christ-exalting. Now, let's get started. Welcome to the Covenant Podcast. Jimmy Johnson here with my co-host, Austin McCormick. And I'm going to let Austin just start us off and explain what we're going to be talking about and, and maybe even a little bit about why. Yeah, so uh, in the episodes that Jimmy and I will be doing together uh, without a guest, we're going to be working our way through an Orthodox catechism. Uh, And before we talk about who wrote it and why he wrote it, uh, I want to introduce to our listeners that don't know what a catechism is. So catechism comes from a word that means to teach or to instruct um, there are various levels of catechisms between a children's level of catechism um, all the way up to a more robust, lengthier one like the one we're going to be talking about in Orthodox Catechism, um, the Baptist Catechism, the Westminster Catechism, Heidelberg Catechism, which we'll talk about also a little bit today. But a catechism typically is uh, structured in a question and answer format to help as a tool for discipleship. Um, One common thought whenever people hear this word catechism is that this is a Roman Catholic thing. And it's true that Catholics utilize the tool of catechizing or a catechism, but Baptists have historically used this tool as well. Uh, We'll talk about when the, the Orthodox catechism Uh, was published, but I can at least introduce by saying there are hundreds of years of precedent for Baptists using catechism. Of course, the Westminster Catechism, same, has hundreds of years. So Protestants also utilize this tool as well. Um, And Jimmy and I are going to be talking about the Orthodox Catechism. So Jimmy, can you tell our listeners uh, a little bit about who wrote this? Yeah, Hercules Collins is the one who who wrote this catechism, and it it may be kind of a misnomer to say that he wrote it. It's more so that he edited together or edited a catechism that was already in existence, and and as Austin mentioned, that was the Heidelberg Catechism, and he didn't make many major edits um, aside from what a what a pedo baptist or or a presbyterian might consider major um, but most of the differences come in the sections on the sacraments um, particularly baptism actually it doesn't differ much uh, or really at all on the lord's supper but on baptism and particularly the mode and who is to be baptized um, in terms of what baptism is he he is in agreement with the heidelberg catechism um, but hercules collins was a london particular baptist pastor he was converted was uh, Fairly early in life, not he wasn't too old from from what I've read, but uh, he he was a member, some believe, or or very likely a member of the Petty France Church, 
which if you're interested in particular Baptist history, that that's a pretty key church in Baptist life. It was pastored by a guy by the name of William Collins, as well as Nehemiah Cox. And it's believed that those two together were the main editors of the 1689 confession that the assembly all signed at at that first London Baptist Assembly. And Hercules Collins was actually one of those who signed. I believe he's the fifth person who signed the 1689 Confession. But he was a Baptist at a or a Baptist pastor at a London Baptist church. And while he was there, he preached faithfully. The church nearly doubled in membership under his his pastoral ministry, and I believe by the time he died, he was averaging not members but attendees of around 700 people coming to hear him preach when he died. He was also a man who who knew suffering. He he was imprisoned for for his Baptist and and really more so his nonconformist beliefs during during the time in which the Church of England uh, did not want any nonconformist and and he was imprisoned i believe it was in 1684 and and prior to this he he had written the catechism that we're we're looking at and that we're going to be studying he wrote it or published it in 1680 um and during that time of course it was not um permissible according to the state um for for him to be a Baptist pastor, even for him to preach outside of the English parish. And and some believe that he might have been imprisoned because of this publication some years later. Um, but his citation was for not attending the parish church because he was not going to the Church of England in, in his parish or in the area in which he lived. He was cited. He was imprisoned. Many people died in the prison that he went to. Many, A few Baptists um, died in, in the prison that he was imprisoned in, but he lived, and he finished out his days pastoring faithfully in London. And by the time he died, he was recognized as, as one of the prominent Baptists. He was trusted and a trusted resource. However, he didn't have formal education in terms of theology. Yet, when you read him and, and you read his, his Orthodox catechism, and, and when he does edit or, or add things to, to the Heidelberg catechism, he'll cite various references, and, and he liked uh, to cite James Usher was one person, which was one man who was heavily cited by the Westminster Assembly in, in their, their gathering together or their editing, editing together of um, the Westminster standards. So he, he was fairly well read, even though he didn't have a formal education. He was citing all these resources. So that's a little bit, I mean, much more could be said about Hercules Collins. Perhaps we'll have someone who is more of an expert come on to a later episode and, and, and give us a more detailed look into his life, theology, and contribution. But for our interest, he edited together the Orthodox Catechism. And and we're going to get into why he did it. So back to you, Austin. So why did um, he write this catechism in the preface? Uh, there are many reasons, and Jimmy and I have both highlighted in our uh, reading, so we're just kind of going to go back and forth here. Um, but one reason that he gives in the preface, he says, uh, the day we live in is very gloomy and dark, 
full of error and heresy, which spreads more and more through the indefatigable endeavors of the maintainers of it, like an overflowing leprosy and eateth as doth a cancer. So um, he saw the time period that he was living in degenerating into all types of heresies, and he wanted to provide a tool that would be useful for his church and the readers of this catechism to help uh, guard them against heresy. Um, go ahead. Yeah, um, Stephen, I believe it's Stephen Weaver and Michael Haken, they they published or edited together or edited and produced a copy of of the Orthodox Catechism. And in their introduction, they, they sum up his purpose in writing it this way. The catechism was to function as a tool for pastoral instruction, as a polemic against false teaching, and as a plea for doctrinal unity. And mm-hmm. and the quote that that Austin had read from the preface is is essentially stating that he he saw his day as a day in which there was great error. Probably probably some of the the historical background of that is Thomas Collier, who was a a Baptist or at one point a prominent Baptist and a heretic. Um, in in regards to his view of the Trinity, the person of Christ, and a number of other issues, um, Nehemiah Cox had actually responded to many of the errors of Thomas Collier, but Baptist had, by some, had been painted with a broad brush as heretics. So, um, as Anabaptist heretics, or, or Arians, those that reject orthodoxy. And you can tell in the name of the title <laughs> what Collins was trying to do. It's called an orthodox catechism. Um, and he obviously meant by that, that we are theologically orthodox, that we are in line with the Protestant orthodoxy. And I would probably say that he he probably intended even more so to, to locate Baptists within the broader stream of orthodox Christianity. And and we'll get into that a little bit more, but those are just my thoughts on, on the quote that you read. Do you have any other quotes from the preface that you found intriguing? Yeah, and this kind of piggybacks off of what you said, but uh, he obviously wanted to guard his church from heresies, but he also wanted to ground his church in orthodox truth, as you just mentioned, uh, presenting Baptists and their church as being orthodox. So he writes in the preface again, uh, now that you may not be shaken, shattered, and carry away with every wind and blast, what does that sound like? Sounds like the word of God, right? (laughs) Every Mm -hmm. puff and breath of error and heresy also that you may be the better established, strengthened, and settled on that sure rock and foundation of salvation, Christ's merits. So um, wanting to give his church a solid foundation, and of course using this tool, this resource, to, to ground them in Christ's merits and Christ's salvation and the knowledge of it. So that was uh, one thing that I thought was interesting in his preface. Another thing which doesn't really talk about why he wrote it but uh he's kind of reflecting upon what he thinks of his work here as he's editing from the heidelberg and he says but i am bold to say that this is a sound piece of divinity he's, he's almost getting at like this is i think this is a uh, solid work 
And then towards the end of the preface, um, he says that this is a tool that can be used by parents to help their children, of course, with any catechism. But for anybody, children that are on the milk, Christians that are on the milk, and Christians that are on the meat as they reflect upon it again. So I think there's definitely the intention that this resource in the church was to be used and reused and reused and reused and uh, to help people reset their mind upon Christ and these doctrines that would anchor them in the foundation that he was trying to lay in this church. Do you have any thoughts? Yeah, from the quote you you read earlier where he said, but I am bold. Uh, I want to read that one in, in a little bit more more depth. He says, I say under these considerations, I have in charitable regard to your souls presented you with this small, but I say, but I am bold to say sound piece of divinity, which may not unsuitably be styled an abridgment or epitome of law and gospel suited to everyone's capacity in God's house. Here is milk for babes and meat for strong men. There was a, a very much a pastoral intent in, in his producing this volume. He, he wanted to help his people and all who would eventually read it to, to both be able to take in the meat or the, the milk, but also he wanted to provide meat for those who are stronger and more knowledgeable. And, and this can be seen, in, and we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves, in, in terms of the way he, some of the edits that he did make to the Heidelberg Catechism can be seen as a, a pastoral approach. Um, so one of the major edits um, and differences is the ordering of how he does the Ten Commandments. So the original Heidelberg just goes through the Ten Commandments, says what they are, and then it breaks down each commandment after that. Um, so it goes through them all, then breaks them down after going through them all. Whereas Hercules Collins puts both the commandment and then the breakdown one right after the other, each commandment, you're going through one commandment at a time rather than going back and forth. He wanted it to be easy for his people to grasp, um, and, and to follow and, and to, so that they might understand it. He wanted to promote, um, let me see here. He had, he had a, a quote. He says, also considering it is a day of great declension in love to God and to one another from those gospel truths. He, he was writing because he saw that there was a decline for love of God and love for neighbor. Um, and he wrote it in such a way that both the more mature and the less mature Christian can grow in their knowledge of the law and the gospel. And 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 begin to to love God and love neighbor accordingly. Another consideration that that I really want to point out is that Hercules Collins, like those as one of the signatories of the 1689, so this is not surprising, but like the rest of those signatories, were not seeking to to write a a sectarian document. The the 1689 and the Orthodox Catechism were written in such a way to show a a broad agreement with 
the broader streams of the Reformation faith in particular, and even further back to to the early church fathers. Um, in terms of the early church fathers, you can see this in that he he puts the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, and the Athanasian Creed at the end of of the Orthodox Catechism, um, and and goes through them and and breaks them down too, and provides them for his readers because he saw those as orthodox statements of faith. Um, Baptists have not shrugged off the entirety of the Christian faith <laughs> um, prior to them. They, they, they saw themselves within a, a broader stream of, of that faith. They, they saw themselves in, in line with that. Um, and, and Hercules Collins saw himself as a spiritual brother with those Orthodox, Presbyterians, um, Congregationalist, the church fathers who have gone before, he saw himself as as a spiritual brother with them, and he wanted his people and, and those that read the Orthodox Catechism to see that though we do differ on things that are important, um, we, we still at the same time hold to those things which are most essential with, with the Christian faith. Um, he writes in his preface, And what I have written to you, or written you, will see I consenter with the most orthodox divines and the fundamental principles and articles of the faith, Christian faith, and also have industriously expressed them in the same words, which have on like occasion been spoken, only differing in some things about church constitution. Wherein I have taken little pains to show you the true form of God's house with the coming in thereof and the going out thereof. So he he says, yes, I differ and, and I show where we differ in terms of the ordering of God's house. So so church, baptism um, and and discipline and things of of that nature he, he differs from from those orthodox divines but he has sought to to speak even in the same words as them on those things with which they agree and and he's talking about the Heidelberg catechism in particular um, but also just even the more the broader streams of of the reformed orthodox during his time. He also writes, I have not undertaken to present you with new notions or principles, hoping an Athenian spirit is none of you, but do believe that an old gospel to, to you that have tasted the sweetness of it will be acceptable, more acceptable than a new, though published by an angel from heaven. He wanted to present the, the orthodox truths that Christians have confessed forever. Ever since the, the conception of, of the Christian church, he wanted to confess those in a, in a catechetical manner that he might help produce um, Christians that, that know and confess a true and sound faith, that they would rightly conceive of the law and the gospel, that they would love God and love neighbor. Um, another quote in which he, he, he's talking about this, and we see this, what we might call a small c Catholic spirit in Hercules Collins. He says, I propose three creeds to your consideration, which ought thoroughly to be believed and embraced by all those who 
would be accounted Christians. The Nicene Creed, Athanasian Creed, and the Creed commonly called the Apostles. So if someone says that that Baptists have never been creedal people, <laughs> Hercules Collins begs to differ. And and I would actually go on and, and say that he's really only just in stream with the broader Baptist community during his time period, as as the signers of the 1689 would have agreed with the Nicene Creed, undoubtedly, and and those other creeds that that Hercules Collins mentions. I mean, the the quotate or the paragraph on the Trinity in the 1689 is is very very similar to what we read in the Nicene Creed, just just in updated language. Um, do you have any other quotes you want to add, Austin? You stole the last couple that I was going to read, so <laughs> I can transition us to this last well, question I, that you I've, can... I have one more. Um, he says this, And this book may be advantage to youth as well as others. It is catechistically handled for their easier learning the principles of the Christian religion, that so they being seasoned with the true articles of Christian faith, may not so easily be tainted with the sentiments of men of corrupt minds in time of temptation. And it is heartily desired that parents, especially professing ones, were more concerned for the everlasting welfare of their children. Um, just as, as an aside, he, he also produced it to, to equip parents um, that they might also equip their parents. And and I think that line, and it is heartily desired that parents, especially professing ones, were more concerned for the everlasting welfare of their children. If a statement from this 17th century particular Baptist should have resonance with those of us today, it should be those that statement. I mean, I, I pastor a church. I The church I pastor we are privileged with with many, I mean, proportionately many young families with many children, um, and we have a fairly thriving children's ministry of of sorts. Um, that said, it I think that Collins points out something that is tempt a temptation not only in his day but in our day to to privilege um, our children. Being physically self-sufficient, um, being wealthy, being happy, um, surviving, <laughs> I guess might be a way, having physical well-being. I think we sometimes privilege that um, over the, the importance of ever, their everlasting welfare. Um, I, I charge my church on a regular basis, um, both parents, grandparents and stuff like that, not only to pray for the physical needs of, of their grandchildren, um, or children, but pray for their spiritual needs and, and seek to provide for them, not only physically, because if, if a dad or a mom only provides for their children physically, they, they're, they're missing (laughs) One of the most key components of provision that they are to provide, and that is to give them spiritual direction that they might know and and love God in His Son Jesus Christ. They, your your children, should not grow up and and leave your house without knowing one that they are a sinner, 
and two, that they desperately need salvation and that salvation and the hope and joy, it comes in none other but Christ and those truths that we find in the Holy Scriptures. And and Collins, we just see he has a pastor's heart. That's why he produced this document. He, he wanted to shepherd people. He was using his gifts, gifts of writing, working, labor, hard work, editing. He used his gifts for the betterment, not only of his own congregation, but for Baptist in particular, but for the church broadly. Um, so that would be my final final comment on on that that type of on that subject. So catechize your kids. <laughs> yeah, I was uh, pumped last this last week. Geneva now has consistently started answering the first question to the children's catechism: "Who made you?" She turns to me every time now and says, "God," and it just brings a smile to my face every time. It's so awesome. But mm-hmm. uh, so catechize your kids if if you uh, have children. What a privilege that is for you and for them, um, Jimmy. What? Next, should we expect going forward in the coming episodes as we're going to be working our way through the Orthodox Catechism? So the Orthodox Catechism, other than some brief change in order on particular sections, like I mentioned before in the Ten Commandments, it it can be broken down into three parts. You have guilt, grace, and gratitude. So first, we'll we'll be introduced um, to, to our sinful condition. That will be made um, very clear to us. We will then be introduced to our, and and in truth, it, it might be inaccurate because the very first question and answer is what is our hope in life and death? So he doesn't leave us hanging the whole time waiting for salvation um, and, and where it comes from. But the section on grace, we, we learn about those great doctrines of salvation um, justification, sanctification, effectual calling, all, all those things that we find in the other um, orthodox confessions of faith and, and books and things like that. And then in the gratitude section, it really hunkers down on to how then shall you live? Um, you've come to Christ. You, you've been redeemed by Christ. How should you live? And, and the term gratitude I believe is a very, very good descriptor of the posture of the Christian life. We we live in order not in order to get grace, um, but we live in gratitude of the grace that we have received in abundance and continue to receive. I mean, God gives us grace upon grace, and as we go through the Catechism, I, I believe that will be made more and more clear. So. Let's say our purpose in going through the Orthodox Catechism aligns very much with with Collins' purpose in producing it. We we want people to love God and love their neighbor. We want people to have a a sound um, and ordered understanding of what the Bible teaches, and we want them to believe it. And 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 not only that, we want them to live in light of their beliefs, to live in gratitude of, of these great doctrines that, that we confess as, as 
particular Baptists or confessional Baptists. Um, people don't, some people don't like it when we, we call ourselves Reformed Baptist, um, perhaps Baptistic Congregationalist. That's a new, a new term that, that has kind of been thrown in as a, a possible way to, to describe us. Um, but we, both Austin and I, I mean, when we first started this podcast, we, we wanted to, to bring content from a, a 1689 Baptist perspective with, with the intent of encouraging, um, informing, um, and, and, and exhorting our, our fellow believers to, to know God, to know his word, and to honor him and love his people. So as we go through it, we're going to be giving charges to those things. We are going to tell people to love God. We are going to point out sin as as the catechism itself does. We're going to point to scripture as as the primary source of of Christian knowledge and the only infallible source of of Christian knowledge as to ha- what we are to believe and and how we are to live. And we are going to to point out error if 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 there is error in our day that the catechism addresses, which I'm sure <laughs> there is undoubtedly because every theological error um, is, is hardly ever new. Um, it's just a, a recapitulation of something that's already been, been taught. So we'll, we'll address that as we go forward. So, I mean, what you can expect going forward is a, a brief, hopefully, we'll, we'll see how brief it is, but a brief exposition of, of each question and answer through the Orthodox Catechism, through that broad outline of guilt, grace, and gratitude. Do you have anything to add, Austin? I do not have anything to add. Uh, Jimmy and I, we've been talking about the Orthodox Catechism. We've been talking about Collins and uh, the preface of this work. We just wanted to introduce it today and talk about where we're going to be going in the coming episodes. So we hope and pray that this resource will be encouraging to you and uh, that you would look to Christ as we work our way through this catechism. And as you listen uh, to our listeners, we just want to wish you grace and peace. For additional content, check out our blog ministry at covenantconfessions.com. Also, keep up with our social media accounts on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Next, head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. Lastly, thank you for listening to the Covenant Podcast. Grace and peace to you.